So today's scripture reading, Mark 7, 24 to 30, can be found on page 930 of the Bibles next to your seats, as well as on the screen. This is God's word. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to come drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit, living triune God, what a privilege it is to be able to gather as the body of Christ, the body of your Son Jesus this morning, to worship together, to make much of, of who you are and what you did, what you are doing, and what you will do. Lord, we recognize this morning that we come from all kinds of different places with all kinds of different experiences, even this morning. Some of us had pretty laid-back, quiet, and enjoyable mornings. Some of us had pretty hectic and crazy and anxious mornings. Some of us have deep sorrow that we're struggling with and deep issues that we're working through. And some of us are in a a valley time of, of life. Lord, we thank you that despite all these differences, you call us together to be one. And through the power of your Holy Spirit, we, we gather to, to learn, to grow, to reconcile, to give witness to the reality of your kingdom here on earth. So we pray at this time that uh, the word that was written 2,000 years ago, that uh, we recognize is, is alive and relevant and vital and powerful to change lives today. So we pray for your spirit to open up our hearts and our minds to be receptive to your word, to the next steps of faith that you'd be calling us to, whatever that might be. And we might be obedient to that faith and to that calling. For your glory and for our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, certainly a privilege and a pleasure to worship with you this morning. Mark and I go back quite a long ways. And there was a lot of times that we attempted to uh, make this happen, and it just has not worked out due to scheduling and all that. So it's a real joy to be able to worship with a sister church and, uh, you know, hear some of the stories over over the many years and to put some faces to the names and uh, be part of your story of what God is doing here in Sacramento. It's just a a privilege and a joy for me to to be a part of. Um, We're going to take a look at, at a chapter in Mark that is a pivotal chapter in what Mark is attempting to do with his particular, particular book. If you're not familiar with the book of, of Mark, 
is thought to be one of the first books written in the New Testament. So it's one of the very first documentations and records of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. And when you look through the entire book and study the entire book of Mark, you see it as a very much a discipleship-based book, which means that it's very much about helping people become followers of Jesus Christ. It was one of the first manuals that they had, if you will, to let people know who Jesus was and what Jesus did and what the gospel is all about and why it's important uh, to know and to believe and, and, and to follow. Mark is very much about the restoration of the heart, about restoring people's lives into right relationship with, with God, uh, but also with each other as well, that the love that we experience from God, his forgiveness and his grace, extends out to one another as well as evidence of, of the kingdom of God um, alive and well among, uh, among us and on, on this earth. Matthew also writes about this story of the Syrophoenician woman. I want to read Matthew's version with this. Usually I let the author speak for himself in this because they have a particular agenda that they're trying to get across. And some of the details they leave out, they leave out for a reason. And the things that they they write about, they write for a reason. Um, And they're writing to different audiences as well. Mark is more to a Gentile kind of audience, a non-Jewish audience who, who doesn't understand the Jewish story and the Jewish history, while Matthew is much more of a Jewish audience. So there's going to be a little bit of difference. But Matthew's version of this story helps really fill this out. And it's going to be important for us to, to hear that aspect of it as well. But I want to do something a, a little bit different. I'm not sure how, how Mark does things here. We mix things up at, at River Rock a little bit. And I would like to get some interaction from, from us as we navigate this, this passage. And what I had in mind is when I read through Matthew, um, I want you to think about what word stands out for you. What word or phrase in this story stands out to you? And think about the Mark passages too. That's the primary passage. But what word or phrase stands out for you? I'm going to let that kind of guide us this morning um, through our talk through, through this passage. And when I'm done reading this, um, I'll just ask for, for someone just to, to shout out um, what word or phrase that, that kind of stood out for them. No explanation, no pressure, nothing like that. That has to go along with it. And we'll just kind of let the, the story kind of unfold as those words, words come out. And hopefully that, that will work for us this, this morning. So listen to, to Matthew's version of this, this same story. Leaving, and this is found in Matthew 15, verse 21 through 28, if you want to follow along there. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. It says, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. 
And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This too is God's word. What word or phrase stands out for you as you hear the story from both Mark and from Matthew? Dog, boy, we're just going to jump right into the heart of it, aren't we? I can tell what kind of crowd this is going to be. Dogs. Yes, in our politically correct world, this passage ruffles feathers and creates a lot of tension. And I think rightfully so. And I I think part of the Christian experience is to allow some of that tension, to allow some of that wrestling to to happen. A lot of times we want to sugarcoat this or try to explain away some of the tension within the text because we can't fully understand what's going on there. And we miss some of the deeper meanings that, that are trying to be pushed across or attempted to be uh, communicated to us. So first of all, the word dogs is really the word dogs. And it is really what Jesus says about the Gentiles. Now to soften it just a little bit, he doesn't directly call her a dog. Okay? <laughs> and by the way, do we have any Jewish people here? So we're all Gentiles, we're all dogs. Okay, so we'll just even the, even the playing field here just a, a little bit. What he's doing is buying into a story that she initiates. This is why the Matthew uh, portion is important to understand here. Did anybody pick up on how she addressed Jesus in the Matthew version? It's not in the Mark version, it's in the Matthew version. What is the first way that she addresses Jesus? Lord, Son of David. Does that strike you as odd? Who is she? She's a Gentile, right? She's not part of the Jewish history. And yet she uses a very Jewish messianic title, Son of David. What is she doing addressing Jesus as the Messiah, which was a Jewish term and part of the Jewish history? It's not part of her history. What is she doing? I think she had heard of Jesus. This is what Mark says. Jesus was well known, um, even up in that area as, as well. She knew that he had cast out demons. She knew that he had healed people. There had been a contingency from Tyre and Sidon who had come down and interacted with Jesus and his disciples. And so that area knew of of Jesus. And I think she did a little bit of her research. Remember her story. She's got a demon-possessed daughter. I mean, this is a terrible, horrible situation, right? Makes some of our situations look pretty small when we compare that situation. But regardless... We're not into comparing. Our situation is our situation, whatever, whatever that is. I think she's addressing Jesus, trying to get to him through the Jewish story, just being polite and doing what she can to get Jesus' attention. And I think Jesus is playful with her with this a little bit. See, we don't have body language to look at here, right? And so we... we we sometimes read judgment and condemnation in Jesus' words and, and in this interaction here. 
Can, can you imagine this interaction happening with Jesus kind of being a little playful with her? He's tired. Let's not forget the setting here. He is dead tired. Right? He's tried to, in Mark, to escape from the people a couple times already. And he can't get away. Every time he tries to get away, crowds follow him, and he ends up expending a lot of energy and love and compassion toward them. And so he ditches the Jewish territory, and he goes up into the Gentile region, hoping to find a little peace and quiet. And what happens? Sure enough, there's someone banging on his door, trying to to get his attention, and he can't get any peace and quiet. Does that ring any bells for anybody of your own life about trying to find some peace and quiet? He didn't have a bathroom, I guess, to go to and lock the door (laughs) and have a little bit of his peace and quiet. But this lady was persistent. She's a Gentile. She approaches Jesus using the Messianic title, and I think Jesus plays with her with this and says, do you, do you recognize what the Jewish story is? Do you know who you are in the Jewish story? If you want to come to me in the Jewish story, I'll play your little Jewish story game, but it's the Jews that are first, and it's the Jews that are the children of God, and the Gentiles, well, the Jewish people consider them dogs which is you. I also think this is a little bit of a setup too. I think Jesus knows what's going to happen, how this is going to play out, and to really test her faith and show how genuine and how deep her faith really, really is here. So dogs, this is an important part of the story especially how she responds to that. And we'll get to that in just a little bit here, but I'm going to leave the tension here just a little bit. So here she is. She's in a desperate situation. Her daughter is demon-possessed. She comes to someone who she knows has the power and the potential to heal her daughter. And she addresses Jesus as Lord, Son of David. And what's Jesus' response in Matthew? Not a word, right? You ever have that experience with God? You're crying out to, to God, crying out to Jesus? Not a word. He ignores her. So not only is there an insult kind of thrown in there, there's ig- ignoring going on too. So Jesus is ignoring and insulting. So there's the tension that's built into this text of what Jesus is going on. But this is reality. I mean, every time that you've cried out to God, did you get an answer, boom, and... And God spoke to you just like that? If so, I want to know what you're doing because (laughs) that's not my world. I don't think that's reality. I think this is a great lesson here of what happens when, when we speak to God and we don't hear anything back. And I think that sets up why Jesus exclaims, she has such great faith. All right, dogs. That was a, that was a good intro right into the heart of it right away. What, what's another word or phrase that stood out? Pardon me? I was making noise here. Have mercy on me. Yeah. Have mercy on me. Again, this is in the, the Matthew version, right? This is not in the Mark version. 
Matthew is much more comfortable leaving the tension in here, but he's much more explicit about the gospel here as, as well. She recognizes, I'm going to get right to the chase on this, she recognizes that she needs mercy. To say that means to recognize you're in a situation where you can't help yourself. She's helpless. You've got to imagine that this, this woman has gone to every person possible, every physician possible, every spiritual person possible to try to help her daughter, and nothing has, has helped. She finds herself helpless. And the only appropriate um, approach to Jesus that she can do is, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Mercy, mercy, if you want a real quick definition of it, is not getting what you deserve. So what is she, what is she saying here when she's crying out for mercy to God to not get what she actually deserves? She's revealing some deep insight to the truths of God and the love of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. And we begin to recognize some of some of her deep faith here of what's, what's happening. You got dogs. You got mercy. We're going to tie these all together here in a second. Another word or phrase. Faith. Okay, so now you got the three most important things here. You guys just get right, right to it. Faith. This story is all about faith. That's what this story is in here for. Now, as with any text, you look at the text in the context, correct? This, this text does not make much sense at all apart from the larger story that Mark is telling here. And if you're familiar with Mark 7, in the first verses that are happening there, 1 through 23, and also Matthew's version as well, what happens just prior to the telling of this story and mind you, this is not all in chronological order as well. A lot of times we think that the telling of Jesus' story in these Gospels are chronological. Some of it is. Some of it's just um, going back and forth. And they're trying to make a discipleship kind of a point there. This is about faith. He had just criticized, not just criticized, he got harsh. Jesus got harsh with the Pharisees because of their approach to God. It was legalistic. And what that simply means is that they were trying and attempting to earn God's favor by their good works. That God would owe them His grace. If you understand anything about grace, you understand that owing and grace don't go together at all. Grace is a gift that needs to be received. You cannot earn that in any kind of a fashion. But they were trading in the commandments of God for the laws of men, or the commandments of men for the laws of, of God. They were, they were upholding man's law over God's law, is the short of what was going on there. And his, his judgment of that, I don't have time to get into the whole story of what was going on there, but his judgment of that was to go to Isaiah and say, basically, not basically, I'll quote, your worship is in vain and your heart is distant from me. That's the worst thing that Jesus or God could say to you, that your heart is distant and your worship is in vain. It, it doesn't get any worse than that. 
And so he, he just told this story of the Pharisees. This ain't faith. What the Pharisees are doing, this is not faith. This is not what it means to be a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Do not imitate the Pharisees. Do not try to earn my favor. Do not hold the laws or the commandments of man over the commandments of, of God. And so then he tells this story, the story of great faith. And this story is the beginnings of the vast uh, explanation and demonstration of the abundance and the beauty of the love of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a brilliant way the Holy Spirit have pulled this together through the writer of, of Mark. This is where you would least expect to find faith, right? In this story, you expect to find it amongst the Jewish people. You don't find it there. You expect to find it amongst the disciples. You don't find it there. You look at Mark. Mark rips the disciples apart through their, they, they're clueless, they're ignorant, they don't get it, just like me. I mean, I would have been just like those disciples. They, they keep showing it over and over again. They don't get it. Jesus says, you still don't get it. Are you so dull? Over and over again. He has to explain all the parables to them over again. He has to take them in private. This, this is what I mean by this. That's, exact, that's me. <laughs> I need someone to sit down. This is what it's all about. What was her response? Let's get right to the heart of this and wrap this up. What, what was her response to Jesus' ignorance and insult? And how would you respond? And this is directly out of Mark's. What's the first word she says to him? Mm. Yes. Wow. I don't think that would have been my word. My word would have probably been the third word there. I think the third word is but. I like the but word. Yes. She doesn't get all ruffled that Jesus uses this derogatory term, dog, toward her. She goes, you know what? Yeah. Okay. So what? Because I know God's abundance and his grace. Here's the key. When she replies about the dogs getting the scraps under the table from the children's bread, what is she saying and what is she indicating there? Why is that such great faith? She recognizes that she, as a Gentile, is a woman Gentile, is not excluded from the grace of God. And having a demon-possessed daughter, it, it really doesn't get, she's at the bottom of the barrel, really, in their society. It doesn't get any worse. Yet she is the first person in Mark that gets the gospel of Jesus Christ. She's the first one that Jesus doesn't have to explain the parable to. She's the first one where the parable and the story of Jesus enters her and she responds and lets the, the parable shape her response back instead of us trying to change the parable and make it say what we want to say. She goes inside that parable and says, yep, you know what? There's even crumbs enough for us dogs. And I don't care if I'm a dog. I'd rather be a dog and get the crumbs than be an enemy and excluded outside of the gospel of Jesus and about his abundant love. She gets it. And Jesus is amazed by her response because he has not seen that amongst his disciples. 
and amongst the most brilliant of the religious people. And I love this. This is the common person with extraordinary difficult circumstance she finds herself in, and she gets it, and she experiences the grace of God because she doesn't get offended. She recognizes who she is, and she recognizes the mercy of, of God. This is one of the clearest demonstrations of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's going out into the entire world for all people, all kinds of people. It doesn't matter how bad your story is. It doesn't get any worse than what hers is. You may be saying, I, I, there's no way God's grace can be given to me or God's mercy can be given You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I'm doing right now. You don't even know what I'm planning on doing. I can say stories like this breaks that down, breaks down that kind of deceptive lying down. It says there's no one that can be excluded from the grace and mercy of God based on what they've done. This is a powerful story of the good news of God breaking into a person's life and restoring, giving us a sign and a glimpse of the kingdom of God here. doesn't mean that every problem is going to get solved here and now. It's to show you the reality of the kingdom of God. And that if it's not going to happen in this life, it will happen when Christ comes again. or on the other side of our, our death and the resurrection, what we celebrated in, in Easter. It's an amazing story of God's grace and his love for the lowest of the lowest, which is us. She recognizes that we are all, you know, let me put this here. The story before is about being unclean with the Pharisees. They were getting all wa- worked up about washing hands. That's what made them unclean. Jesus said it was what comes out of the heart that makes you unclean. She recognized that. You know what? If that's true, then everyone is unclean. Everyone is a dog. Everyone needs God's mercy and grace. There is no hierarchy. We're all leveled out the same here. And that's what the gospel tells us, that we're all in need of God's great grace and great love. I pray that this this story becomes um, one of the, the gold standard stories for you of what what faith looks like, and how we approach Jesus with humility. Faith is, is really about being fearless, as she was. It's about being active. It's not a passive thing. It's something that sought out Jesus and persisted, even when the disciples wanted her to be driven away. Most importantly, and at the center of faith, is in Christ. It's fearless, it's active, it's in Christ, it's trusting When Jesus said the demon was gone, did she balk at that? Say, no, you need to come with me and make sure it's gone. Okay. You said it's gone, it's gone. I trust you. That's deep faith. And finally, it's humble. Humble, humble, humble. Responds in humility. That's the faith of this woman. That's the faith that God calls each one of us, no matter what our circumstance is. His grace and his mercy reaches us in all places. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this amazing story of mercy and of, of grace, this amazing woman, this amazing Gentile Syrophoenician Canaanite woman who got it, who understood your grace and your love and your mercy, who understood your gospel, that you were a God of abundance, that you weren't holding it just for one people, but that you wanted the whole world to be blessed, as you promised Abraham that the entire world would be blessed through the Jewish people. And the Jewish people were were stealing and hoarding that love to themselves. And you're opening it back up again to the world. That's the gospel. 
We thank you that we as dogs are recipient of your good grace. That we're recipients of food that nourishes and sustains and transforms. In Jesus' name, amen.